My interview today is with Sven Brook. Every time I catch up with Sven, I learn something new and I also just really enjoy the conversation. Have any of you seen that post going around on social media telling introverts to check in on your extrovert friends? Well, that extrovert is me. I really get energy from interesting conversation and just being around people. And in this weird time of physical distancing, I'll be calling up some of my colleagues and clients so that I can get my conversation fix. And hopefully you'll enjoy that too. Um, Sven, like me, loves the weird and wonderful projects where you're provided with a really interesting problem to solve. We talk about 5G, a specific project that we both worked on, predicted changes to workplaces post-COVID-19, analytics for building owners provided as a service, and of course, my favorite topic, human-centered design. Enjoy. All right. Now, I would normally do a big introduction um, just to tell everybody who I am interviewing, but Sven Brook, can you please just start by telling me where you are doing this podcast from? <laughs> uh, I'm doing it from in my car because uh, I'm in the middle of social isolation and my kids are driving me a little batty today, <laughs> if that makes sense. I think the car is the new place to work from because... If I want to escape the house as well, I absolutely can go in my car and go down to the beach and just work from the drive, like from the passenger side. There's enough room there. I can take a coffee. Yep, it, it works. <laughs> <It's really hard. laughs> I just feel like oh, an so idiot, that's all. Sorry? I just feel like a bit of an idiot. Other than that, it's all good. <laughs> oh, look, I, I was a... Um, a sales per like a field salesperson in one of my first sales roles. So working from the car is nothing new to me. Oh, perfect. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, so let's talk about it. I mean, everybody else in the whole wide world is talking about COVID-19 and coronavirus. And since you are a person who I would, um, you know, I've worked with you, I met you more than two years ago now. And mm. um I would say that you're a bit of an expert in the technology and workplace, um, you know, sector. So I just had to, I guess, jump on and talk to you about this strange time that we're in yeah. and I guess how it affects technology in the workplace. So let's start it with how are you doing? <laughs> good, good. I think, look, you know, being in the technology space, and undergoing what we're now seeing, which is like a rapid and forced change in the workforce, uh, mm. has been quite interesting because you've got now people um, who are paying attention to things that, from a technology perspective, have been spoken about uh, for years, right? And nothing, nothing's new about what we're talking about, but suddenly you've got uh, leadership and you've got a real need uh, and a desperation to start taking these things up very rapidly. You know, all the video conferencing, the different way data is being moved now because everyone's working from home. So this affects your cloud setup. It, it affects, you know, the things that we're talking about in the new world around 5G and edge compute. All these things start becoming part of the agenda now because we're facing a different type of business continuity. If you think about in before COVID, business continuity was always a quick disaster that happened and then you would pivot immediately to disaster recovery. So that's where all your efforts would be. Whereas now you're looking at a slow disaster and your business continuity plans and how you move your people, your data, and how you put your 
company effectively on ice uh, becomes a huge challenge. And I think that's it's a good thing, um, I, I suppose, and so far as that we are facing this now. I also think this is probably going to happen more often in the future. So this is a really uh, a strong dress rehearsal, um, albeit with some serious consequences. Yeah, look, I've, I've had some really interesting conversations this week and one was with a, um, one of the big four consulting firms and they got in touch with us because um, they're, they're, I think they're the only consulting firm that we don't work with. So um, regular um, Place OS listeners will be able to figure out who it is. But um, basically they were saying, you know, it, the work culture at their work, it's pretty good, but at the same time they they still have a lot of old school kind of thoughts around being in the workplace to be working and I guess their senior leadership didn't really understand um, the working from home and how how good people are at it Um, I think there was a lot of fear around you know if you let everybody work from home what does that look like and what they found is that actually they're getting along they're getting on with the job pretty well Um, And their contact to me was more around, you know, we want some analytics in the building about how people are actually using the spaces because we have a feeling that post this pandemic, um, when people start coming back to work, we're not going to need individual workstations because if people are doing quiet work, they'll usually do it from home. It's only that people will come in to be around colleagues and do the collaborative work in the workplace. And they're expecting to have this big shift and they wanted to ha- to be able to um, analyse the data in, in relation to that. What are your thoughts? What do you think we're going to be facing with post this pandemic? I, I think there's a lot. So a couple of things, and you mentioned a few of them. One is the concept of line of sight management um, cannot really exist in the future workspace where, where, where everyone is um, obviously not in line of sight. Uh, the concept of work hours becomes a lot looser now. So, you know, it's not nine till five anymore. So that opens up a lot of opportunities. One of the things I think we're going to learn the hard way, unfortunately, is that the home is not always a safe place for many people. And I think when companies start looking at their responsibilities in a remote workforce, uh, the lines are very, very blurred for some of the homes that have some serious issues, uh, domestic violence, drug and alcohol abuse, uh, things that are just not quite settled. Um, so I think over the long term, we're going to start learning some of those lessons and seeing how we deal with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like your point there because, as always, you're not just thinking about technology and, and workplace, but you're thinking about holistic um, issues that affect work and workers. And yeah. that, that issue of, you know, not being a safe place at home, um, that has been something that has been a consistent message coming from the New South Wales government in relation to schools mm. and why schools aren't closed. So in New South Wales, like in Victoria where you are, they have closed schools. They Well, they brought the school holidays um, early, didn't they? So they, they let everybody go on to April school holidays early. Um, but in New South Wales, they haven't closed the schools. And one of the reasons was that school is often a... Um, safer place for some kids than it is at home so they want to have the ability for people to still go to school to still be able to have that kind of adult in their life that is important and yeah I I take your point that that could be a really important thing for workplaces in the future We, we just have never discussed that before Certainly, certainly not on mass. You know, these sort of things can be handled in in smaller portions, uh, but on mass, when companies do have a care, uh, you know, responsibility for uh, 
uh, for the employees, but have less and less ability to actually um, control it, which is which was easy when you could just go into the office environment. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to we're going to go through a fair amount of this, and also the longevity of it all, right? So this is mm. not just a one week away. We we don't really know how long this is going to continue for, and you can imagine in this environment, much higher stress levels. It's not normal working from home. This is working from home and being stuck in your home as well. Uh, so there's a lot of dynamics here that won't be the new normal necessarily, uh, but it'll force a lot of these um, uh, this type of thinking uh, to to be accelerated. I think. Yeah, I, I think I've been surprised at uh, because I've been in a business where we we have been working from home for a long time. Um, I've always been able to work very flexibly anyway. Um, that I, you know, it kind of felt like the norm for me. Um, but even this, and, and I was a little bit surprised by the organisations who don't have these kind of things in place and weren't ready for this type of scale of work from home. I, I guess I kind of was a bit naive. I thought that this was um, a regular thing for most people, I guess, because I was just projecting my own experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we, we spoke about it before, though, as well, that even the term work from home uh, is probably a little bit a little bit misleading when you start planning with organizations what it actually means. Um, and the reason I say work from home is misleading is because the, the focus really should be being a remote worker. Because for some people, working remotely is in a coffee shop, or at home or in a library or wherever, getting back to you know feeling safe and feeling uh, you're like you're in a place where you can be productive. And that can be anywhere. And I think from a technology perspective, uh, you've got to plan for that. You've, you've got to turn the whole thing upside down, essentially. You don't, you don't in, um, build a workplace environment for the office that can extend to remote or to the home. You've actually got to build it for remote workers who just happen to be able to work in the office. And, and the example that I've used in the past with this is probably one of the best uh, um, remote workspaces is Qantas Lounge or any of these lounges because they are set up as a transit environment. People come in, they go out, they're there for a purpose or a time, but they move on. And in that time, they find a spot where they can be productive their way. So to me, the focus on work from home is a little bit misleading. We should rather think, how do we make people productive anywhere and also allow them to come to the office every now and again? Yeah, I love that. One of the bits of technology that I am loving for remote working is just my simple MacBook Pro and the retina screen. Because when you're working outside, especially like, you know, as you're watching my kids are only little, so I can sort of work out on my back deck watching them as they're playing in the kiddies' pool. Mm. And I've got that full, beautiful retina screen that works in the direct sunlight. Yeah. Um, I'm just loving the fact that I can do that now. You know, five years ago they didn't have those types of screens and, and now, you know, you can you can absolutely work outside. You've got good battery life, you've got a good screen and there's nothing stopping you from being in the fresh air. We're absolutely, you're right, we're absolutely lucky. The technology is there, the advancements are all there. This will become more important, the work device that you use, the choice of devices you use. And of course, one of the things that I always run into in my role is, uh, you know, what no one likes to talk about, talk about which is security. We, we, you know, we talk about performance, we talk about comfort, etc. cetera. Uh, but there's the biggest challenge of all, and that is how do you secure on shared devices, BYOD, CYOD devices, how do you make sure that it's still secure, your company's assets are secure, the privacy data is still secure? Because ultimately now, if you talk about 
your security or threat domain or borders from a workspace perspective, it is so out of control. We've got to rethink these things. Now, luckily, again, technology is coming uh, to the to the table for this. So we now talk about things like zero trust architecture and SASE and, and some of these other things that, again, will be pushed into the agenda now that the whole world is, is basically being force fed a new way of looking at technology. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of, you know, security alerts about different platforms for video conferencing recently. And so I think, um, and my husband who works for Norton actually saw a spike in sales for Norton because so many people buying new devices for their kids while they're at home. And I guess learning about the whole security issue around those. So, you know, buying personal devices now comes coupled with, oh, we need security to go with that. So I think the message is definitely getting out there and enterprises, you know, will adapt quite quickly if they haven't already. <laughs> they certainly have to. There's, uh, this is probably a bit of a pessimistic view, but there's two types of companies, uh, those that um, have been hacked and those that will be hacked. So uh, you, <laughs> you can't ignore it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you and I have talked in the past about, can, I, can we talk about the golden hour for creativity? Because mm-hmm. this is something that you put the idea into my head. I guess you've you've read a lot about this. You've experienced it. Um, I should probably preface this with your roles are typically client-facing, very high-level thought leadership type of roles, aren't they? Yeah, so, so, yeah, correct. What I need to do is I need to work on the business side of business but preferably in the leadership sphere, because that's where you can deal a little bit more in the abstract um, and you need strong leaders to be able to follow through on uh, abstract type of thinking. Uh, What I mean by abstract is when you talk to business leaders about new ways of working or, you know, what you said uh, correctly was that that golden hour of creativity, it basically comes from, you know, the, the healthcare um, environment where you've got a golden hour to get to someone who has had an accident and you can almost do miracles keeping that person alive for that golden hour. In a work context, it's about the golden hour of creativity. And what we're talking about here is making sure that people within your organizations of different age groups, different ways of working, different preferences, have the tools and capability to be able to express their their creative moment while it's still there. Now, if you're in an organization that's very traditional or has a lot of bureaucracy um, or has really old systems where you've got to do all sorts of things just to get to that point where you want to put your idea on the table, there's a very good chance that your golden hour of creativity could get lost. And, And this is probably even more relevant as we go into the younger generations who've got the attention span of a, of a goldfish, essentially. <laughs> that sounds a bit mean. <laughs> I guess the, the point I'm trying to make, it's very, very quick. So as an organization, if you want to capture that, make sure you're providing the tools and processes that make that happen re- really quickly. And I think when we spoke about this before, it came off the concept of uh, bring your own experience, right? So, you, you know, we've talked about bring your own device and, and that that was a hard nut to crack from a security perspective. Then it sort of went to choose your own device where your company would say, well, here's, you know, here's a menu of things that you can choose from because we know we can control and secure it. And now we're talking about bring your own uh, experience. And what that basically means is allowing people to choose how they want to capture their ideas, capture their work uh, and make it easier for them to really be, be the creative people that you've actually hired because that's really why you've hired them in the first instance. 
Yeah, well, you know what? I I love that I'm I'm one of those sort of optimistic people. So when you when whenever something is happening, I'm always looking for the bright side of it. And one of the bright sides of this pandemic for me has been people using applications to show off their creativity. So there's been a lot of people jumping into things like TikTok where you talk about like people might have a, a the attention span of a goldfish, but really they have this ability to be creative in a quick way as well in, cre- in creating these hilarious, um, you know, really well thought out videos that are just keeping people entertained. And I think in bring your own experience and, and part of that is how people like to communicate. It's not just a text message or an email or anything like that anymore you know maybe in the future we'll see people um communicating more in the workplace via these types of mediums where it's all about creating some some content to actually provide that communication like i i feel like email will just be dead oh i hope one day email will be dead but but you know (laughs) bring up tiktok and and tiktok is 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 really there's a lot of rubbish on tiktok but put that into a work context it is the ultimate tool for the elevator pitch how much time do we spend with people saying just get to the point right i don't need to read a long email i don't need an 80 page powerpoint presentation Uh, and our kids are being brought up on tiktok where you've got i don't know 30 seconds or less to to make your point and i think i think that's going to be valuable in the future you know assuming they don't keep watching kitten shows and stuff like that Now, um, I we had a really good conversation the last time I saw you. It was we were talking about the panel discussion that I did in Melbourne late last year, and that was the AMP Capital um, panel discussion that we sort of took to Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane. And you came along in Melbourne, which thank you so much. And one of the things, one of the questions I got asked, you had um, quite a bit to say about, which I loved. So I just wanted to ask this to you so we could get it onto the podcast we're talking about integration and one of the questions i got was how much integration is too much integration yeah well (laughs) uh and that yeah integration and and automation kind of work together in that context and and my answer absolutely would be there's never enough uh integration and automation um, and, you know, if someone were to ask that question about an automobile, uh, you know, 100 years ago, uh, you would have a very different looking car today because right now, if you drive, almost everything is automated from your gearbox to your steering to your tire pressure, to pretty much everything. So automation mm-hmm. needs to continue and integration needs to continue. And I think we're living in good times to make that happen because, what we've got to consider is that a whole bunch of things are aligning in the corporate and technology world, which will make this far more accessible. And you guys actually are ahead of the pack from that perspective. If you look at the corporate adoption, for example, of software-defined everything, so that it's it's an accepted thing now. If you look at the adoption of OpenStack, OpenAPI, almost insisting that your suppliers have to have an open, open API environment before you can even play with them, if you look at the higher appreciation in corporate now of human-centric design, where it's not about technology anymore, it's work out what you want to do and then get the technology that's going to do that. I think these are very, very good things that are aligning to make that experience and that integration far deeper than it's ever been before. 
And, and to put that into context, most organizations at the moment would look at the major vendors and go, well, all right, let's see what this major vendor can do from a collaboration perspective, what that major vendor can do from a workspaces perspective. Now, when you do that, you're focused on that particular vendor's strategy and their roadmap. Whereas when you look at all these things that I've just mentioned, software defined, OpenStack, OpenAPI, and all those sorts of things, that allows you to focus back on your own strategy and then find the tools and technologies that make that happen. So you strap your organization to your own future strategy and roadmap. And I think, I think that's going to work very well for us. To make it even better, though, is just around the corner, we're looking at 5G. That makes things faster, more secure. You can now start doing critical um, uh, um, information management over wireless. That's, that's new. You look at edge compute and all these other new, uh, new if you want to call it that, um, uh, acronyms that are coming around. These all work towards the same goal of giving organizations more choice and designing more around the human than around the technology. And I think that's fantastic. Oh, my, one of my favorite topics is human-centered design. And I think we're getting a lot of people are understanding this a lot more in organizations and they're actually coming to us with some big ideas but two what two years ago we you and I worked on the project for Australian Roads and Research Board mm. and there was someone who had who was ahead of the game as far as human centered design wasn't there can you can you tell us a little bit about that project from your point of view yeah, absolutely. It's still um, still one of my, my favorite projects uh, that I've been involved with. And the reason for that was we were dealing with the leader at the time. Uh, I think he still is, old Michael, still, still in charge over there, the CEO. Um, but he had two things that are very, very necessary to, to drive innovation. The one is he had a vision and he absolutely had a dogged vision of what he wanted. And he also had the ability to execute on that vision. Um, those are key things, because if, if you're doing it any other way, it, it's a very, very hard slog to justify every dollar spent on what you're trying to achieve. So he removed all of that by just simply sticking to his guns. And what we were able to do over there, uh, and again, this is where your organization is so far ahead of the game, is that we were able to look at what is the experience you're looking for. We were able to work with the interior designers uh, in the new space because the physical environment has to match the technology environment in order for that, you know, that user experience to occur. And then we were able to extrapolate the hardware from the brains behind it so that we could create what most people call a smart experience, but what I would rather call an intuitive experience. And I'll explain the mo difference in that in a moment. But but it was the game changer, essentially. We were no longer locked down to a vendor choice or to you know, a particular interoperability barrier. We, we were really able to extend that automation outside of the building from when the user wakes up to how they experience their journey into the workplace, how they experience the workplace, and then back out of it again. That was a very, very exciting project. Yeah, it, it really was. And one of the things I loved, yeah, what you just mentioned then was the the before and after work was actually thought of that journey into work and that journey leaving work as well because you know when when you do have the option to work from home and I live in Sydney where um, my train line is about an hour or 50 minutes from the city you know uh, do I have to get onto a crowded train and and get into work my workplace might be excellent but the whole fact that I have to uh, there's so much friction in actually getting to and from work 
that's a that can be a barrier. Mm. Um, each particular workplace had really good parking on site. Um, the only catch was that they often run large workshops and large events and so they needed to kind of repurpose the car park on those days for the visitors Mm -hmm. and I really liked how they thought about well we're going to have to have a system that is linked to how people are working so that they can understand whether there's enough car parks for them to come into work that day or whether that's a good day to work from home or whether they need to book ahead if they do want a car space um you know he really had thought of everything Yep, and, and also the nice thing about uh, Michael was he also understood that you don't have to buy it all in one go, right? You can mm-hmm. have your vision statements, you can have uh, the experience that you're looking for, and that might that might be unattainable, certainly in the first year, depending on how visionary you want to be. However, if you build it on an architecture that allows you to change and iterate and update and also to allow the technology life cycles to be um, in, in different life cycles so, you know from your device which would have a one or two year life cycle to your infrastructure which would have a five or six year life cycle um, he understood that this became the gift that kept on giving as long as they started on the on the right architecture as long as they were able to separate hardware from software as long as they were able to integrate things that that were normally disparates so from a room booking system to a coffee machine uh, to a door um, security system and cctv uh, you know there's no end to your imagination you've just got to plan it you've got to work out what you're going to do next and then from a staff perspective Every year or every quarter that they're in that office environment, there's a new innovation or a new thing that's happening. It's it's constantly giving back. That is a fantastic uh, solution to be able to provide uh, your staff uh, in the long term. Yeah, and what we're seeing more and more from our customers is that they'll have budget to start off with and then they want to put aside innovation budget so that they can change their workspace and their technology based on what analytics they get out of it. So Mm. uh, I think there's a real recognition of no one's ever going to get it 100% perfect up front. And also these workplace trends are just moving so fast. So not only can you not get it to 100% for day one, you can't get it for, you, you, you really just can't predict what's going to happen in the next two or three years that could completely change um, what you thought would be the gold standard. So um, PwC in Dubai is one of our latest clients. And because they've had the experience of, you know, seeing how um, PlaceOS rolls out into other um, PwC offices around the world, that that's their thing. They want the innovation budget per year. They want quarterly meetings. They want the analytics to um, around exactly how they should be improving it. And they want us to bring some of that thought leadership to them to say, here's what other organisations are doing and thinking about, you know, what's next for you? I think you've, you've brought up probably one of the most uh, critical subjects in all of this, and that's the analytics side of things, because you're moving away from the set and forget uh, environment of you've designed it and now you just wait it out for the, for the next couple of years. That ability to analyze what's going on and to iterate, I don't know if you've ever heard, I think it was a business book or, or something like that, but it was called uh, Ready, Shoot, Aim. And the whole idea here, it's, it's kind of what, what was talked about before Agile became popular. And that is, if you're waiting for perfection, you'll never pull the trigger. So pull the trigger and then tap the bullet as it goes along to the new target, wherever that might be. 
and this is a very similar thing to what we're talking about, but you tap the bullet by using analytics and real information. You tap that bullet by knowing exactly which workspaces are working properly, which areas are wasted, um, how your people are moving in and out of the workspace. Uh, you know, that that's what's going to help you in your next iteration with your next piece of budget to target where it needs to be fixed or, or improved. Yeah, and, and we, what we've seen is that a lot of organisations, uh, they want a dashboard for analytics, but really post um, move into the building they don't have anyone who's in charge of that dashboard or really um, knows what else they should be looking for in the analytics um, so one of the projects that we're working on now is to bring insights as a service as part of a partnership and be able to actually you know not only have the data in place that we can surface to be able to have those dashboards but also to be able to provide it along with some other things like soft data and workplace observations that typically organizations have used so and and be able instead of providing just a dashboard that no one pays attention to or understands longer term um that we can actually have that sort of quarterly, that that rhythm to being able to say, okay, here's the insights, not just the raw data. Here's the insights. Here's how that you know what recommended changes we we have for you. Um, so. I think that is an excellent idea. I've spoken to so many companies; they've got more data than they know what to do with, but they have mm. no idea what to do with the data they've got. So, you, you, if you're in that business of specialising in improving the data in the area that you know, uh, that I think you'd be doing some really good business. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit more about 5G? Uh, the last time I talked with you, um, I think there's still so much we don't know about 5G and you're, you're sort of the inside of it. You've seen um, this coming for a long time. You get the inside word. So, so what can we expect from 5G as far as how this is going to transform our workplaces and how we work? Yeah, look, that's a really good question. Uh, 5G at the moment is is still very much in its infancy. And what people are talking about today is, I guess, the one pillar of it, which is faster connectivity. And, and that's great. Um, you know, 5G will really start flourishing when there's products and solutions that take advantage of essentially the two main things that, that 5G brings to the table that hasn't been there before. The one is very, very high bandwidth uh, wirelessly, which is fantastic. It's, it's, not, it's not just a small incremental increase from 4G. It's a massive increase from 4G. Um, but the other is the latency side of things. So very, very, very low latency. Now, the best use case for these sorts of things are things like augmented reality. But there's not too many business cases for augmented reality. So we've got to think a little bit further outside the squares to where 5G is really going to uh, come into its own. Uh, the reason I say augmented reality is because it brings the high bandwidth of video style data as well as the low latency overlay information that you would expect from augmented reality to make it actually work, right? Um, that said, though, it's something that we need to start thinking about now, especially in the business that, that we're in of workspaces and building automation, is what can 5G in a metropolitan area, which is where 5G is being concentrated on at the moment, what sort of changes can it make in that environment? And some of the things that we're talking about in these early stages is, can we now use 5G connectivity, as an example, to do critical connectivity, 
to things that typically wouldn't be on wireless. So for example, in a building environment, if you were to go, there's two parts to a building. There's the base build technology, which runs your fire services, your lifts, your doors, evacuation, and all those things that people's lives depend on. That's in the base build. And then you've got all your tenancies happening within that building. And each tenant then comes along and brings in their own you know, their, their own routers, switches, printers, or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. We could look at that more holistically and look at an entire software-defined building, essentially, where all of that is provided, both the base build and the tenancy, as a single environment. And that, that becomes a very interesting prospect. Um, but that's also a long-term prospect, because in order to start realizing the benefits of those sort of things, you need a couple of stars to line up. Uh, for example, you need to find a really good and willing customer, you know, like, like we had before with Australian Roads Research Board, as an example. You need someone who, you know, who's looking for a new building or new building refurb. And then you need a bunch of partners in the building side of things, uh, technology side of things and services side of things to be able to bring that all together because it, it is a bit of a game changer. The other thing to consider as well, though, as nice as all of that sounds, uh, like most things, regulations and security and the other things that you have to consider typically lag. So even if you come up with the bright idea of having a completely cable-free, software-defined building in which you can really provide some great analytics and really bring down the, um, I guess, the, the, uh, the, the footprint, the energy footprint of that building because you're controlling the whole thing now, regulations are still lagging. And so I think there'll there'll be a long way to go with that. But I guess 5G, to answer your question, opens up those types of opportunities. It also opens up smart city opportunities insofar as you can now do a whole lot more with visual data because visual data is high bandwidth. Um, and also you can do more actionable things with visual data because you're looking at that low latency as well. So I think there's a lot to be said uh, about um, you know, if you go to smart city conferences, for example, 5G would be a big subject line because it's taken away some of the barriers that haven't been removed before uh, or could only have been removed using things like fiber optic, which is very, very costly uh, and difficult to implement. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, see, some of this, when I talk to you, it starts to make a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, look, um, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of hype, uh, but in between all of that, there are some great opportunities. Um, but it's not it's not going to happen in a day. It, it's going to take time. Yeah, and I think you're right about the regulations catching up. It's it's just typical, isn't it? The technology is just moving so much faster than what regulations and legislation can keep up with. So there is going to be a lag there. Yeah. But, you know, this this alludes to the importance of, you know, from a government perspective, why it is so important that we choose our 5G equipment. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying anything about, uh, you know, what equipment to choose. But if you look at what the, um, if you look at the potential of a compromised 5G environment, say 10 years from now, when buildings are operating on it, when traffic is operating on it, when um, critical infrastructure like water and electricity is operating on 5G networks because it provides all these benefits, that's fantastic. But you've got to make sure that nobody can mess with it. Um, because they could literally, you don't have to invade a country anymore. You just shut them down, right? This is what the virus is. So just shut it down and you've achieved your goal. Yeah, it's scary. Um, To finish up, I guess, I, we've talked about, you know, the latest in technology. We've talked about 
one of the best projects that we did together. We've talked about human-centered design. You're on the client side and you're very good at this and sort of bringing together the right people around the table to actually start that discussion around workplace and work experience. In your opinion, who is necessary to have at that table? How do people get started um, so that they can end up with a really, really good solution for their work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's a question that I uh, ask a lot um, when I'm about to get involved with anything is, is who's at the table. Because if you are going to limit yourself as a technology company or a technology person or a technology consultant, if you're going to limit yourself to talk to technology people, you're completely missing the point. You know, we, we mentioned human-centered design. That implies that you've got to talk to people that understand humans, uh, that understand human resources, uh, that understand health and safety, mental health, and all those sorts of things within the organization. Because the focus now is not to get the highest productivity out of technology, but to get the highest productivity out of the people that you're hiring. That's the most expensive thing in most companies is the people. So... Mm -hmm. The people in the room, uh, if I had a, a perfect world, it, it would be the leader of the organization so that you understand face-to-face -face what is it that you're trying to achieve. I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in, in the public stuff, in the, you know, everything is awesome stuff. I just want to know what are you trying to achieve and when do you want to do it? No one's got money lying around to mess around with. No one's got skunk works. Let's just find out what we can deal with. And then we can work with the other parts of the business that are dealing with the, the humans, the physical design of the environment and the technology, those three things uh, to try and achieve those goals in, in a way that the leader would be able to effectively pay for it. But equally, it's not just about the leader paying, the leader is going to be also asking, well, what am I getting out of it? So you've got to come back to that table to say, well, here are the, here's the timelines where we think you're going to start benefiting from X, Y, Z investment. Um, so that you don't have these monolithic projects that eventually go nowhere. I mean, imagine in this uh, COVID environment that we are in, you've gone through this monolithic project, which suddenly has just been blown to bits because the whole world has literally just changed within weeks. Um, you can't have that anymore. You've, you've got to have this more of, a, of an iterative um, focus on these things. But to answer your question, you want leaders, you want people that understand people, and you want design to come together. Technology just complements all those things because technology is way ahead. There's no barrier in technology. It's the other things that might slow you down. Oh, such a good answer. Such a good answer. <laughs> I could not agree more. The leadership, the design people, the people who know people the best. Um, and yeah, and technology is just the enabler. So mm. we, we like to have those people in the room as well, but obviously, um, you know, they're the ones that are going to be putting it into, into practice and into production. But um, yeah, those, you just really can't escape that big vision stuff. And that's exactly where everybody should start. Yeah, well, Sven, thank you so much for your time. Oh, did you want to add something else? Oh, no, no, I was just going to hammer the point home by saying the, you know, in most organizations, it's the IT department that adopts what the leadership tells it to adopt. So it, mm. you shouldn't be talking to the IT department because, you know, they're, they're not the ones that are generally going to make those decisions. What they will do, though, is make recommendations. So you certainly don't ignore these people. You've got to deal with their capability and also where they hope to be as well in the organization. But the real decisions, as you would expect, happen um, in the leadership. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, Sven, thank you so much for your time. I I know that this is a strange way to work and we're not in person. We're over Zencaster recording the podcast, but I um I wanted to keep putting out episodes and I really wanted to talk to you because you always have your finger right on the pulse of this stuff, no matter what's happening. So thank you. Thank you and thank you for bringing the, the you know, the positivity as well. We know that there's a lot of opportunity in, in this, even though it seems a bit strange right now. Um, I think we're all going to come out of this a lot better. Um, so, you know, if we can just um, just get through the hard times, because it's very, very hard for many, many people. But I think ultimately humanity will come out of this uh, in a better place. And the upside is you'll learn how to work from a car. Well, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'll um, definitely have the air conditioning on next time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks, Ben. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Landa. I'll take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.